This resource is produced by Discipleship.org, championing Jesus' way of disciple-making. Attend the next National Disciple-Making Forum by registering at Discipleship.org. The following audio comes from the 2016 National Disciple-Making Forum. The theme this year was Culture Shift, Back to Jesus' Way of Disciple-Making. Discipleship.org brought together ten disciple-making organizations all in one place, each organization hosting a different track. One of those ten tracks was hosted by Man in the Mirror with Brett Klemmer and his team. Here's audio content from Man in the Mirror and their track called No Man Left Behind. Well, listen, good to see you guys. So this is the uh, last session of our conference, and some of you have been with us the entire time. So we're looking forward to hopefully this being a... Uh, a final example of uh, what our ministry can provide to you, and it's one of the more crucial aspects as you move forward in a practical sense. And uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll look forward to uh, talking about this uh, ministry cycle concept. God, thank you for the opportunity to be at this conference. We thank you for all these speakers. It was an honor to meet Robert Coleman uh, over the lunchtime hour, and thank you for uh, a man of legacy, the master plan of evangelism. It was good to even hear snippets as he was talking around the table. And so those who have gone before us, thank you for uh, veterans uh, of the uh, efforts to disciple all peoples. And I pray now for this last session as we talk about the create, capture, sustain aspect. Uh, we just ask God for clarity, for wisdom, for guidance, and just blessing upon these leaders as they go forward and to determine what, what applies to their neck of the woods, uh, what it looks like to just reach one man at a time as we go forward to see no man left behind. In your name we pray. Amen. So the ministry cycle, you have a handout there that gives you, uh, again, a picture of the model that we've been kind of chipping away at. Uh, again, this No Man Left Behind conference has 12 to 15 concepts. You're being introduced to three or four of them. And uh, so just highly encourage you to uh, visit our website, nomanleftbehind.org. I have it on uh, view up there so that you can take advantage of a refresher course as well as dive more deeply into this. So in this uh, Create, Capture, Sustain uh, concept, uh, we're going to talk about you know, what it looks like, and we'll break it down uh, for each particular category. So in our observations of churches around America, this is a crucial piece to keeping the conveyor belt moving, okay? forward movement, uh, so we can see uh, development take place. And uh, what transpires, we go into more details uh, about this at the conference, when we compare notes on a leader-driven ministry versus an event-driven ministry. Andrew, you were just describing to me before we got started how you guys are not event-driven whatsoever. So some of you have already gotten to that level. Uh, the distance between the peaks, if you were to look at a graphic that talks about the number of committed men over time, the uh, drivenness between uh, a leader-driven ministry, the peaks are based upon years as far as incremental uh, evaluation, and then on an event-driven ministry uh, based upon months. And so when we see churches, most every church is uh, creating value. That, that's really not the issue. Only a few churches that are maybe just getting started, you know, formulating something, even going back to the previous session on the all-inclusive, there's still some things happening for men. You may not have a designated staff person over it. You may not have a leadership team, but there are things happening, what we like to call on-ramps. There is an on-ramp for men to engage informally, even unofficially. Okay, So when we go back to that leverage versus launch principle that we talked about in the last session, we want to leverage those on-ramps, those things that do create value. So you listed a few of those a while ago, and you'll see on your handout on the next page in just a few moments when we uh, talk further, we're going to talk about connecting some of the dots. We did that as an uh, illustration before, but we're actually going to play this out. And so this last session, uh, it's almost like we're going to be a leadership team for a church, and we're going to see what this looks like and kind of demonstrate uh, what it can be for you guys. But let's just talk about the whole uh, create value aspect and give you some more detailed information. Well, it still goes back to these five types of men. That is a crucial aspect. You've got to look comprehensively across the congregation and begin to identify, going back to that ministry audit we talked about in session two, so that we see, are we creating value for the natural man? Are we creating value for the cultural Christian? Are we creating value for the biblical Christian? Are we creating value for the servant leader? And are we creating value for the hurting man? There's got to be a... Uh, a comprehensive analysis about that. And so when we say the average church is reaching two of the five types, 
It's because oftentimes we're only creating value for two of the five types. Okay, so uh, that's uh, a crucial aspect. Now, when you think about these uh, types of men, one of the things you need to evaluate are what are the felt needs? What are these guys looking for? And so as you uh, consider that for your particular context, then that is crucial uh, for us to gravitate towards that. And again, there's more detailed information on that particular topic. But as you get to know your players, as I would say from a coaching background, you need to know the makeup of those guys. We talked about surveying the guys and finding out what their hobbies and interests and leveraging some of those to see ministry break out. Well, what are their felt needs? What are they looking for? You need to know the distinction, for example. Uh, some guys uh, might need to go to Dave Ramsey's uh, Financial Peace University because that's going to be much more adaptable to the wide end versus some of the other ministries that get into stewardship and that gets into deeper in Bible studies. What, what, do you, what do you put a guy in category two? He's going to gravitate more to the Ramsey material than he is to some of the other things out there. So we, we believe in all those folks, by the way. We, we believe you should have a, uh, a comprehensive toolbox, but use the right tool for the right guy based upon what those felt needs are in that capacity. We also talked about personal invitations. You know, I mentioned to you the church uh, in Columbia, you know, shot the nice video, spent a lot of time and effort to have a... Uh, a media guru on their on their church staff, you know. So he came to Charlotte. We shot the video. It was well done. But then 16 guys walked by me and don't engage. So you see, that was almost canceled out because of the lack of connect, connections that we found. A man will respond to a personal invitation. Now, this particular church that I shared about from an example in the last session, the... Uh, Another example I would give to you from their behalf, they had a registration table outside, and the way the uh, building uh, flowed uh, was similar to this one. You know, Now, we've had very good greeters, by the way. The volunteers have shown up for us. I don't usually see those guys at conferences, but not only has Paul been a good assistant for us in our track, but the folks outside, they're serving us extremely well. There have been people greeting us. It's almost like we're coming to a celebration service at this church. And most of these volunteers are from other churches in the Nashville community. So they've done a fantastic job demonstrating what some of this should look like. Well, our case study in South Carolina that I was referring to earlier, they have a registration table outside, and it's between two of the pillars as you're exiting. Well, here's this flow of people coming out in droves, and nobody's dropping by the registration table. So the next week when 75 guys show up out of 500, they said, well, we shot the video, coach. We had the registration table. We even gave out free Man of Mirror books. And I waited till after the fact to see what was going on. And I said, how many of you invited somebody personally? You know, And about a third of the guys had done that. So you see, personal invitations, that's what a man is going to respond to. And so you've got to get that into your DNA to greet the guys on the front end. Everybody is a member of the greeting team. Everybody is a member of the assimilation team. We all have a part to play. If all you did was to identify what hobbies and interests might be. We have guys oftentimes in churches that are very effective in doing this. Like, uh, you know, when the NFL season kicks off, you'll see some churches uh, that will have uh, uniforms on. And it's not just from the local team, by the way. Ron Reed, whom you'll hear from uh, in a few minutes, he's a big Seahawks fan. So when he brings his Seahawks jersey to the church, maybe there's a guy that's got a Seattle background, and all of a sudden now he finds a point of identification. So the man code can become attractive. And he might just say, hey, did you ever live in Seattle? Why do you follow the Hawks? So on and so forth. That could lead to something. Hey, man, listen, we got a Tuesday night men's gathering. I'd love to have you come drop in. All because of a football jersey. I've seen that happen uh, on a regular basis. So, but the church we were at, you see, they did it the traditional way. Go to the registration table, and they get disappointed when the other three or 400 guys don't show up. Another problem that particular church had, by the way, we mentioned that in the last session, Saturday morning was not prime time for the younger generation. We've already identified that. So you've got to pick a time period that works. And there's not one uh, particular, again, we just give out templates. You determine. Another factor that I see with leadership teams, you know, they'll say, well, uh, Fred, when can you lead a, a men's co-ed, or I mean, a men's small group? Well, I can meet on Thursday night. I'm available. Okay, sure. So we'll launch that Thursday night group. Nobody shows up. What happens? See, those guys aren't just interested. I went back home. I did the men's ministry audit, like Coach K told me, but none of those cultural Christians showed up. Hello. Did anybody ask those cultural Christians when they would be available? Because in the typical church, five or six of those guys could do Thursday night uh, versus Tuesday night. But we chose the night that worked for the leader. If you don't survey those men and know your players, you know. 
So when the survey comes in, then we extend the invitation. Hey, I noticed on your survey, you mentioned you really enjoy studying this particular topic. We're actually having a small group being launched. You may not hear about it much, but uh, I'd like for you to know about it, and I want to make sure you get an an invite to that. Uh, Same thing for the all-inclusive when we talked about building bridges across to the other ministry outlets to let them know you want to participate. Uh, A man will respond to a personal invitation. So what kinds of men do we have? What will be valuable to them? We can't predetermine. If we're going to try to create value, we can't predetermine what will be valuable. We have to know our players to the level to be able to make that uh, choice. And here's one of the most uh, impactful concepts that I was exposed to uh, 15 years ago and being associated uh, with the ministry. Give men what they need in the context of what they want. If you're going to be successful on the wide end of the spectrum, you better know that and you better practice that. Give men what they need in the context of what they want. Hey, they all need to grow in their faith and to show true biblical manhood. We understand that. But now, right now, what are they wanting? That goes back to the hobbies and interest survey. Where are they willing to invest some time? They're already playing golf. They're already going hiking. They're already coaching their kids in soccer. So we're going to leverage that. And uh, that's going to be a, a, a crucial aspect uh, for us to do that. All right. Now let's take a couple minutes here and begin to identify. Uh, we did some of this in the last session, but uh, we got a couple new guys that are with us here, so let's bring them up to speed. How you guys doing, by the way? Welcome. Jeff Kasaya. Thanks, Jeff. Where are you guys from? Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Have you all met uh, Clark Miller from Dayton, Ohio? No. Okay. Afterwards, you have some conversations to take. So these are uh, uh, some of our guys that are with us on our team that you'll be able to get a chance to know them more. So we had in the last session to bring you guys up to speed, we've given some examples of what churches typically do, men's only activities versus church-sponsored activities and how to connect the dots with what we call the all-inclusive mindset. So some of you guys have shared your information. So let's use you guys from Ohio. Give me give me a couple things right now that's happening. Maybe your fall calendar, you know, has been planned out. And so what what are some things right now that you're wanting to create value with men in your congregation? You have a retreat coming up this fall. Uh, is there something else taking place? A fall festival of some type? Give give, give me something that's on, that's already been planned. Okay, bingo. Uh, on site or off site? Okay, uh, what day of the week? Thursday. Okay, uh, 8.50 a.m., I assume, or? P.M. P.M., really? Yeah. Wow, 9 o'clock at night. You get guys out for that. So so young dads put the kids to bed and their night owls. That's interesting. That's an interesting case study in itself. Okay, um, how about in your particular church? What's something that you guys are doing to create value? And I assume you're leveraging the fact that they've already got Sunday built into the schedule, so if they're coming to the uh, worship service mid-morning, let's come in early morning so that they come without their families and their families join them for the service. That typically happens in this particular setting. Okay. All right. Very good. Okay. How about from some of the rest of you guys? Uh, Does it have to be men specific? For, for now. We don't have, we, we'll bring back an all-inclusive idea, but for now, let's just do it that way. Somebody else. Well, we'll, we'll go ahead and include that since you okay. brought it there. Um, we, have, uh, we have something called our 5,000 ministry. Fantastic. And the way you describe your church profile, I bet that's a big hit. Yes. So what, what kind of participation do you typically see there? What's going on in their life. Okay. Well, these are some excellent examples and a wide variety of times and, and, and groups that you're trying to target. So uh, uh, this is your first time to be in one of our tracks. Is that is that correct, brother? So uh, we have what we call the wide to deep discipleship continuum we've been talking about. Over here in the wide end, our guys are not the ones coming to your group on Sunday mornings. Uh, they're over in the deep end. So we're talking about how to effectively reach all five types of these men throughout this continuum. And so as we slot these things, uh, we can see what that would be. So this is going to be a wide event because anybody can come, right? So let's uh, identify that. This obviously with uh, high commitment, high accountability is going to be a deep end. And then uh, it sounds like the 850 Club ha- has some depth to it, but it's also available if a guy might be interested, okay? So I'd say uh, we'll make it a hybrid, wide slash deep. It sounds like it's built around the time almost. I 
So, so if Thursday night, late Thursday night works for you. So uh, you've set a record here. The earliest men's gathering that I've been a part of is there's in the state of Western, in the state of Michigan, over in the Western Michigan area. Uh, there's a 5:30 a.m. men's gathering. They have about 35 guys show up. And so a lot of 0600s and 0630s, but 530 has been the earliest one I've tapped into. Has anybody got one to beat that? Is there an earlier men's gathering than that one? So 0530 up in western Michigan. Now you've got 8.50 p.m. I thought 7.30 was late when we were having ours. So uh, that's very interesting. Ron, you or Clark, how do you want it later than that? I can match you with 530 down in Atlanta. Okay, Atlanta. How about the, the late evening now? Okay, great. So see, that's, that's being uh, in a position to know your players, and they know it's going to provide some value. So uh, sounds like all these things are pretty well established, you know, having a chance to, to uh, proceed in that regard. So, again, most every church we interact with uh, is creating value. So what we want to talk about moving forward, I'm going to Ron come up here and share this time with us, is to here's some examples, but also maybe how it applies to your neck of the woods. Let's talk about capturing the momentum, uh, what that means, how to do it, and uh, give you some examples on second gear material, on-site commitment, uh, things of that nature. And the big idea from this particular aspect is I always give men a right next step. So Ron's going to share. He's our area director up in uh, Wakanda. Probably the same thing you did the Monday before, Promise Keepers, right? We uh, we went to the, uh, the mountaintop experience, super high, and fired up. But then you come home and there really wasn't a next step. And that's really what uh, this, this section on the capture momentum is all about, is that you train your men's leadership team, that, you know, that there's a constant thought, what's next? So as we're planning this event, whatever it might be, whether it's the 850 Club or the, uh, the, the Sunday morning group or whether it's going to be the, the men's breakfast or the men's retreat, that in that planning process you're thinking, well, what's going to be the next step? And I've got two examples uh, to, to kind of tie that in. I, two straight weekends, uh, the last two weekends. Uh, the first one, three weekends ago, I spoke at a men's event that was a kickoff barbecue. And uh, they just, they'd invited me to come and speak at their barbecue. I'd had uh, no connection with their leadership team prior to that. Uh, it was just, they called me up and said, hey, we've got this barbecue coming up. And this, this is kind of an example of a, of a typical men's leadership team. Uh, would you be, we heard about Man in the Mirror, we heard about you being our area director. Would you come and speak at our barbecue? And I said, sure, when is it? Uh, next weekend. Unfortunately, <laughs> like, I had that weekend available. I'd had a cancellation on something. So I said, sure, I'd be glad to come. So no prior contact with them at all. And went to the men's barbecue kickoff. They had 69 guys at this thing. And uh, what they didn't have was anything green. It was meat. That was it. There were seven different types of barbecued meat. Uh, they did have some beans, some baked beans, but it had a lot of meat in it as well. And they, you know, I, I was kind of laughing about, boy, this wasn't a women's event where you would have had salad. You would have the tables were just bare tables that they had set up, and uh, you know they had the cooker going over there, and they had meat. And I said, you know, this truly is not a women's event. And one of the guys said. Uh, last year, we didn't even remember to bring plates and forks, so we're doing better this year. So, again, typical men's leadership team plan an event to get all their guys, kick off barbecue. And, and I said to the guy that invited me, well, what's next? What do you, what do you have scheduled after this? He goes, well, we're, we're inviting all the guys to get involved in Bible studies. And I said, yeah, the Bible studies already started. Well, we're going to be starting those up as soon as we find out how many men will sign up. And I said, so you have nothing to announce tonight. For them, uh, well, we're going to tell them that you know, sign up tonight, and we're going to get you involved in a Bible study. Uh, I said, do you have the Bible studies planned at all? What what are they going to be studying? Well, we really haven't done. You know, so again, no thought of what's next. It literally was just boom. So I talked to the guy. Um, you know, he, he's going to be coming to our fuel event next week, and I talked to him about. So how many guys signed up? Uh, we really didn't have anybody sign up. You know, the the guys who are on our leadership team are. Uh, you know, we were hoping they'd at least sign up, but we didn't get anybody. So they went from 69 to zero. Literally, uh, you know, not a, not a single guy signed up for that next step. The next week, I did what uh, what we do uh, with Man in the Mirror with our Create, Capture, Sustain cycle that you see uh, on your sheet. Uh, we have several seminars that are designed as that Create Value. 
that we uh, you work with the leadership team to teach them what what is it that where are your men what's the value that is needed what's the thing that they want to come to but you know they need to come to and one of the seminars we have is called rock solid men it's based off 1 Corinthians 16 13 and 14 the to be alert be, uh, stand firm be the man uh, be strengthened and be kind and loving in all you do those are the five sessions of it but we we do that not just randomly but rather the church has to have an understanding that this is where our men are, that they are needing this this seminar. So you do the promotion for the seminar, but at the same time you're building up for what's going to happen immediately with the seminar. So here we had, uh, at this uh, this was last weekend, we had 49 men attend the, uh, the seminar. At the seminar, they're uh, handed the six-week follow-up study, and it's very thin. I, I don't know if you have any of the copies of that or not. Very thin study. It's obviously what Coach said earlier, the low threshold, low commitment uh, you know, t- to get men to, to sign up for this. So they do, right at the, the seminar. We don't let them out the door without knowing about this is going to start on Tuesday night or Thursday night. Each one of the tables that was there had a different time uh, element of this six-week follow-up. So one leader says, I'm going to be Tuesday mornings at 6 o'clock at Panera Bread. Uh, the other guy was Thursday night here at the church, and another guy was Saturday morning going to be at uh, another location. So they they set up uh, their tables as these are the nights that were or the times we're offering these next step. As a result, there were 49 guys at the seminar, and 42 of them signed up for next step. They started this week, and again, I found that out uh, as I was driving down here. Uh, talked to my guy there, and they, they signed up and started this week with those six-week follow-up steps. So 69 guys showed up for a, rah, wow, this is awesome. And it was. It was an awesome barbecue, but not a single next step. As opposed to 49 guys that, uh, you know, and, and our guy was hoping to have 70 guys show up. Well, 49. 42 of them are now in a next-step group. Uh, of the two, I'd rather have had the 20 less men at the event, but 49 more men now taking that next step in their spiritual walk. So that's what the capsule momentum is. It is at that location where you do your event. If it's a breakfast, your, your leadership team is thinking, at this breakfast, what is our value that we're presenting? Why are we doing the breakfast? And then what's going to be the next step we're inviting the men to come to at the breakfast? Because uh, here's what happens. Um, the church that I pastored for years, uh, they, we had a men's breakfast all the time, every, every Saturday, men's, or I'm sorry, every month, uh, we had a men's breakfast. And it was constantly, who are we going to have speak? Because how can we get the guys to come? What's, what's going to draw men to come? And we averaged about 45 to 50 guys coming. Well, shortly after I left, they, they uh, decided, okay, we really need to, to have another breakfast. They hadn't had one for the several uh, months after I'd left. So they got Ray McElroy, who's the one of the chaplains for the Bears. The Bears need chaplains big time. <laughs> so uh, being a Seahawks fan, I can say that. Uh, so one of the chaplains, Ray McElroy. And so he came in, and sure enough, boy, they promoted this. They broadcast it. They, had, uh, you know, the, the, they actually asked the women to come in and help them with the decorations. It was football-themed. It was great. And they had 125 men at their breakfast. I had just started working with their leadership team, and so I challenged them. This is great. What are you doing as the next step? Well, we're going to get we're going to invite the men to come into a study. I said, Do you have the studies ready? No. Uh, you know, be be prepared on that day to have the studies. They didn't have it. They had 125 men. Then they started thinking about what's going to be next. They didn't get anybody to sign up for anything. So they said, Well, we'll have another breakfast and and uh, we'll get the men back to that. So what do you do after you have Ray McElroy? How do you invite somebody bigger, better than that? This is what youth groups have faced for years. Any youth pastors in here know that you're constantly battling the bigger and better. So they didn't get a Ray McElroy. I actually joked with the guy. I said, who are you going to bring in next, Joe Gibbs? Uh, you know, are you going to get uh, you know, some, some other bigger name than that? Sure enough, they didn't. They just had another guy come in who was just a typical men's uh, breakfast speaker, and he had 30 guys. They used to run 45. At 30. Hey, let me interrupt for just a second so that you can hear a brief message from our sponsors. Here they are. 
Wouldn't it be great if someone who knew what they were doing, who actually had proven results, would just share with you exactly how to make disciples? Hi, I'm Doug Burrier, a decision scientist and a real-life disciple maker. This year, I'm discipling six of my neighbors. That's crazy. They don't even go to our church. My friends and I made 1,392 disciples last year. So if you're tired of hearing the same old blog and keynote messages, droning on about the why, the need, and the theory, I want to invite you to hear the simple how-tos that have bunches of churches and hundreds of people making thousands of disciples all around the world. How to recruit, how to get them to love reading the Bible, how to transform them, how to run a meeting, like a real proven agenda, how to make individual disciples in a group setting, how to give people the wonderful, abundant life that God promised them. This is what I found in sustainable discipleship. It's not materials, it's not another program. It's a simple, repeatable set of how-tos. If you're ready for something proven, practical, and different, visit sustainable-discipleship.com. That's sustainable-discipleship.com. The team will be happy to share with you everything God shared with them. All right, let's get back to the episode. They don't have the men's breakfast anymore. And again, it's because, well, this didn't work. It didn't work because they didn't do the plan of create the value for that event, but capture momentum right there. The leadership team, it's all on the leadership team, that they're thinking as they're planning the event, what are we going to do next? So with each one of these things, how do we capture momentum from this event or this thing that we're doing? How do we get guys to take the next step. If you get your men's leadership team thinking that constantly, pretty soon it just becomes a natural uh, part of the DNA of that team. They are, uh, somebody is going to always say, hey, this is great. What's the next step? And you're always thinking right next step. Okay, I'll turn it back over to you, Coach. Thanks, Ron. It's always good to hear real live examples from around the country. And uh, these guys that are out there on the front lines obviously uh, experience that fully. Well, uh, here's some... Uh, uh, follow-up comments to what he shared as far as his case studies. So, capturing momentum solves the problem of the event-driven ministry. The average church has been event-driven for a long, long time. And that's been one of the issues they have been facing. So if you have those right next steps uh, plugged into the situation, that allows us then to uh, maximize that opportunity with them. And then uh, second gear material. We have discovered in our research around the country that... Uh, Guys will respond to a six weeks follow-up. Now, there's a number of curricula out there on the deeper end that ask you for a two- and a three-year commitment. Now, that's going to work down here on the deep end of the continuum. But if you don't reach all five types of your men, you're already excluding. I shared the illustration in the previous seminar about the, uh, the church that I met with uh, a few months ago in uh, the Midwest in a very well-known uh, a church, again, uh, very, very effective. So 2,500 men in the congregation. 500 of what I would call green berets, if you want to use the model for men's souls. they got about 500 green berets. Fantastic. They have that many deep-end guys. They've gone through these multiple-year studies, and they are truly rock-solid men without even coming to our seminar. Another 1,000 are plugged in at some level. You know, even with co-ed uh, venues, they have discipleship groups. So we got 1,500 out of 2,500. But with my calling being on the wide end, I wanted to find out what's happening for the other 1,000 men. And again, there wasn't much of an interest in pursuing them. Well, those guys are not going to sign up for a three-year commitment. Okay. Now, should they be willing to? Absolutely. If there's going to be absolute surrender in our life, high commitment, we believe in all those things. But is that the first step before it even becomes the right next step? So short term, it's got to be believable and achievable. We even use a, uh, a concept now with teams called get a win. You know, find a place to go get a win. A create value planning session that you can get a win from. What did you learn from that situation? That'll then roll over and will continue in that process. And as Ron uh, said in both of those uh, great case studies, one had an on-site commitment and one did not. If you expect guys to follow up and pursue that later, same thing with these surveys I've been telling you about. If you survey your men, you can't send it home with them. 10% will show back up. It's got to be on site when you gather information, when you have a chance to connect with guys. So those are the aspects of what it means to capture momentum, always showing men the right next step. What we're going to do now is uh, take these examples we've been given, and we're going to play this out. Again, this is going to be an interactive session with real live case studies. So let's talk about how these three particular churches are looking to capture the momentum. And some of you may have an event coming up that you say, hey, can the group help me today? 
We can be honorary leadership team members, and we will help you with some potential capture momentum steps. So somebody be ready with at least a, a couple of examples that are not listed. But let's take the ones up here. So beginning with uh, the 850 Club at, uh, on Thursday night. How many guys attend that, by the way? 50 to 60 guys. Do you do breakouts or this entire full large group settings? Okay. And uh, when they go in those designated groups, there's group leaders for those guys already predetermined. It's not like, you know, hey, can you take group one tonight? You take group two. There's already predetermined. Okay, good. So you're well, well established. Okay. So this ought to be easy for you. So tell me then, I'm attending, you know, my, my wife and I have been having some marital issues, a little role playing here. And uh, one of my buddies comes to that Thursday night group. I've got some young kids, so that works for me, you know, and my buddy attends that. So I'm dropping in on Thursday night. I assume I can join at any time or is it a closed group? Okay. So let's say I'm dropping in at week five. So I'm there for the last two sessions. Man, I'm starting to resonate with this stuff. I'm thinking, boy, I wish I could have been there for the first four weeks. You know, so now my friend had introduced me to some other guys and I feel like now I can make progression on this spiritual maturation process. So I go to my two sessions. What's next? Okay. Fantastic. So they capture the momentum with a survey. Now, once you uh, gain that information, let's say uh, of these 50 guys, 10 of them enjoyed hiking or some type of the outdoors. So let's say I'm the guy that's been there for the last two sessions, and I'm one of the guys that like the outdoors. So somebody was designated to take those 10 guys and kind of, hey, go off and let discipleship happen by using the hiking trips. Give me a little more details about that. You know, I'm not sure about that. Sure, let it be organically, informally, you know, understanding all that. So, uh, well, you're well on your way, what we want to try to see happen, but it would be very advantageous for those on the leadership level to find out, okay, what took place with those ten guys who enjoy the outdoors? What took place for those five guys that got together and started playing golf or whatever? And uh, what's that place up there we went to, top, top end golf? Top golf. Top golf. Those are really popular places around the country. Again, it'd take a lot amount of time, but a guy can enjoy that, you know. So uh, once you gather that information, knowing their hobbies and interests, then you can see them go to the next level. But you see, that would have to be continued on out. In just a few minutes, we'll talk about. So what happens at the end of that? All right. Let's go to the deep end. So seven to nine on Sunday. Obviously, this guy here has got marital problems. That's that's not the place he's going to show up yet because you got a high commitment level, and I'm not ready for that yet. So. That's not going to be my entry point. But if I'm down here and I move geographically to your church and I'm accustomed to having some high commitment levels, so I drop in and I get a chance to participate. So is your group open or closed? They're closed. Okay. So how do I get involved? If I'm brand new to the church, I just move in town two weeks from now. How do I get involved in something like that? And we typically see that take place, you know, so we've already begun to share information. We've got a history of one another, so I'm not recommending they should be open groups. What I'm trying to find out is, okay, i got to have value created in my life, and if there's a uh, on-ramp for me somewhere, it sounds like there's some other alternatives. Are you all very strategic to follow up, to find out, hey, did you find a group that you can join while you're playing, uh, you're, you're in the uh, on-deck circle waiting to join one of ours eventually? Does somebody, or is somebody purposeful enough to do that? That would be a suggestion that I would make in that case. Just like they need to be very purposeful and be very intentional to know that those guys had another step. Because, again, as we continue in this process, that's the only way to uh, you know, seize the moment, uh, to capture the momentum. So uh, we'll give them some alternative here. All right, let's go to the uh, kind of a wide-end opportunity. Uh, my son was involved with the ministry and um, I heard a very interesting question. Uh, I like to ask questions, and I like people to have good questions to ask. So a, a ministry leader uh, from a national ministry asked me one time, if Jesus Christ showed up in the flesh this Sunday in Charlotte, North Carolina, where, where do you think he'd attend? So I thought, Calvary Church. You know, it's kind of our moody south. You know, 7,500 people. We could all gather and just have a prelude to heaven. He says, no, no, that's not where he'd be. You wouldn't find him in brick and mortar. He'd be at Freedom Park with a single mom whose husband has abandoned her and she's trying to figure out she has no relationship with Christ. Trying to figure out where do I go from here? Now this relationship's been broken. Who's going to father this child? Who's going to be involved in that whole process? You'd probably find Jesus. And I think there's a lot of wisdom behind that. So I think what you're doing to assemble 
they come to the campus and then they, or they just meet out at the uh, location? They meet in the park. They meet in the Old Fort Park in Murfreesboro because a lot of these people are hurt by church and they want sure. to put in the church building. Is that the one that's got the nice uh, hiking trail with the waterfalls? That, uh, there is one. Like there's, like there's a little waterfall yeah. out there. But yeah. yeah. Okay. I've hiked that trail. It's a fantastic place. So uh, now how often does that happen? Every Sunday morning. Every Sunday. Now, has it got to be uh, weather uh, restrictive? If it's raining on Sunday, we're still going to go? Okay. Matter. Okay. I got you. And we're talking about 12 months out of the year? 12 months out of the year. Wow. And what's the participation level? Are you talking with, Are you talking about... Uh, how many people you know choose to get involved on a, on a regular basis? I'm sure it's a rotation, but let's just say on an average. How many, how many are a core group? As far as... That attend our church that are that are serving. Bingo. Um, probably between forty and fifty. Okay. Now, is it open ended? You know, do I uh, let's do I sign up for a year to do this? Uh, when uh, when you sign up, you can come twice uh, without signing any sort of a commitment. Okay. Uh, just to kind of get the feel of it. Sure. Um, but because these people have been abandoned um, so much, uh, so often, we ask you to sign like a three month commitment. And in that pro- in that time, we take you through uh, when helping hurts. Yeah. And uh, so you're equipped to, to talk to these people and handle situations. And stuff like that. Yeah. The more hip about the church, the more I like about it. I'm going to move to Murfreesboro. <laughs> 28 years as a men's pastor, uh, three common issues. Marital harmony, parenting wisdom, father's wound. With a father's wound, it's almost like a 1A, B, and C. You know, if you're married, marital harmony never goes away. Uh, if you have children or grandchildren, parenting wisdom is always there for different stages. But that father's wound is a very, very unique issue that really applies to biblical manhood. The last four years, 600 plus churches, 40 states, the church wound. I'm hearing that more and more and more. And we kicked it around at our first session yesterday where uh, what you just described you know, takes place. So how do we rebuild trust? How do we reengage? How do we see them come and get reacclimated to the whole process? So... I've gone uh, through my two weeks. I'm ready to make my commitment, you know, to go forward. So let's see on the back side of this. We're getting six months, nine months. Hey, Andrew, this has been fantastic. But I'd like to add something. This is good for outreach. I feel like that I've had some healing. I'm ready to kind of re-enter, you know, a uh, not a support group, but, but some kind of a small group discipleship venue that will help me grow in my faith because I cannot give away what I have not experienced myself. Right. So what's what's my answer? How do we capture that? Situation. So, like we talked in the last session, which we was a part of, those guys are coming to give God their hands. Now, does, do all the guys come at five, or like a portion of them, and the rest of them show up for the study? They show up as they can. Okay. So, like, so we've got good uh, case studies right here. You know, we've got stuff on the wide end where we're healing some wounds. We got stuff on the deep end. You know, we got stuff in the middle. So these are really, really some good case studies, some of the best I've been exposed to uh, around the country. So we're creating value. You're looking to capture the momentum. Let's move to the third category and uh, talk about sustained change. And then we'll come back and have some other case studies that uh, you might want to see. The next sheet describes to you what this looks like over time as we attempt to see the uh, momentum continued. And so for others of you, this... uh, uh, sheet with the two ovals. What that would help you do is begin to put down some examples in your churches. Okay, so list two or three things. We've given you six because some of you are more advanced, you're larger, so you have more stuff going on. So uh, some of you here in the last session, we had congregations from 26 to 1500 men. That was a range. So obviously, the guy with 26 men, he may just have one thing going on this fall. He's having a wild beast feast, or he's having a men's retreat. Well, let's start somewhere. The key issue is not to add five more activities on the left-hand column. His key issue is what is his right next step from his retreat. You know, let's say if he's got 15 guys that are going on the hiking trip of the 26. Well, what's going to happen for those 15 guys moving forward? So if all of this is a one-to-one relationship versus, again, as other things uh, transpire. This chart will be helpful to us as we also lay a foundation to this third aspect Create, capture, sustain means to connect men to the best disciple-making processes in your church. Now, again, some of you weren't here in the last session. We talked about the difference between men's ministry and ministry to men. Ministry to men is to leverage every interaction your church congregation has. In Ohio, is that correct? Okay. So to leverage every interaction that we would have. These guys are doing this in Tennessee. So uh, longing for that to take place. Now, we would say on the sustained side, that long-term growth 
is going to be crucial as it relates to seeing men engaged into the Scripture. Second uh, Timothy three sixteen and seventeen. All scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped. So we've got to have scriptural engagement. There's actually a, a partner in ministry with us that has an app that they will design to send uh, text messages. This is really good for your generation. Go tandem if you're not familiar with those guys. And so that uh, younger generation wants to be digital. Hey, we're not coming to a group study. But individually, Barner's latest research, by the way, in 16, said that 37% of people will prefer uh, to be discipled, uh, you know, uh, within their own world. In other words, the guy that's traveling is listening to the podcast uh, on the airplane. Uh, the guy that's, uh, you know, uh, incapable of coming, even on Tuesday night when you're making it very easy for me to come to the 850 Club. Maybe I got to do some caregiving. I got young children, but I also got a caregiving role, so I can't get there. So here's my chance to dive into something individually or whatever. That's going to be an interesting statistic to play that out because the second aspect, we want them regularly engaged in God's Word. We also want to get them in authentic relationships with other men, which is what I like to call biblical community. I can find community, you know, in some of the social groups in, in my, my, uh, my town, but I can't find biblical community. So authentic relationships, you talk this... Uh, uh, when I was asking you about your church profile before we started, about uh, tell them about how your pastor is so authentic and transparent. Give, give them some feedback on that. When we had our men's discipleship gatherings, we had a little phrase called raise the window shade. And so if you're brand new, let's say you're coming for the first time, this is typically uh, what happened in our case. So uh, ours was 7 to 8.30 was our time frame, 90 minutes. That tends to work for a lot of people. So the first 15 minutes, guys are arriving, you know, getting a chance to get caught up on their activities and, and what's been, you know, taking place. And uh, we'll have some refreshments, that kind of stuff, you know. So guys are coming from work, uh, may not get there at 710. So the first 15 minutes, but at 7 o'clock, we're going to begin. And I'm going to share about what's going to be happening. Let's create value. Let's promote what's taking place so they hear in-house. Guys will read worship guides. Their wives will take them home. Now, when's that men's retreat again? <laughs> we have that in our ministry. They're just they're known for the last minute to register, you know. And you'll have it in boxcar letters. And they still, you know, inevitably, I used to do a T minus 10 weeks, you know, countdown to the men's summit. I'd get to the guy on Sunday morning. I'd go by. Now, when's that men's summit again? And he's gotten eight weeks of emails from me, T minus 10 to T minus 2. And he still doesn't know what date it is. So some guys are just that way. But uh, uh, let's say Andrew's brand new. Hey, guys. Uh, Andrew's here tonight. Let's welcome him to MVP. You'd get a standing ovation. And uh, this is what I would say after that. Andrew, listen. You know, in our breakout sessions tonight, we like to raise the window shade. We like to become very authentic and transparent. Hey, I don't want that to scare you off. You know, you can participate at the level you're interested in. You can just kind of uh, uh, watch what's taking place. Kick the tires a little bit. That's fine, man. This may not be the place for you. But we want you to know we're glad you're here because men are valuable to us. And I really enjoyed our time, you know, after the service on Sunday, what you talked to me about. And I really enjoyed going to Mark's house to, uh, you know, go to his Steeler Man Cave. We're already looking to make a connection before you leave the campus, much less coming to the discipleship venue. I want to give a guy right next step in that setting. But you, you are feeling, you know, hey, I'm dropping into a place. That this is the real deal here, you know. And it was interesting to see guys, most oftentimes they would engage the very first night. But again, they weren't forced. They weren't required. You know, would always train the facilitators. Now, never go around and say, Andrew, what are your thoughts on this? Because you might want to play it tight to the vest. Okay? So, but we were welcoming you to participate and or to observe or somewhere in between. So that disclaimer goes out. Then we're dividing up into five different groups from the wide end to the deep end. And to me, the, uh, the thing I enjoyed the most was what happened at 8.30 to 9 o'clock. Out there, uh, it's what I called uh, asphalt discipleship. You'd find, you know, Andrew who went over here to group one. He had no clue they were designed to be around his spiritual progress. But you'd find a group one and a group three guy cross-referencing life. You know, a group uh, hurting man from group five with a group two guy. You know, hey man, uh, you know, great to meet you. I hadn't seen you in a while, something like that. So they'd spend 30 minutes out there on the asphalt. And to me, that's the telltale sign is what happens informally. Otherwise, even things on the wide end can become scholarship, not discipleship. When we get into this authentic relationship of sharing life and being able to do that fully, uh, that is crucial for us to do that. So again, let's connect men to the things that are working the best. 
we have a little concept. We explain it more fully when you come to the conference about uh, creating bridges, you know, from the various activities and groups. How do you get from the softball team to an adult discipleship group? We've kind of played that out a little bit already with these uh, uh, diagrams you've offered. But you've you got to work hard at the leadership level to help connect those dots. Some men will seek out opportunities, but oftentimes they need to have a, uh, a pathway. They need to see what takes place. And so, as Ron was saying earlier, you've got to think through this process. You can't just assume it's going to happen. You know, oh, we'll have them register by email. Now, you're going to lose them. Right there, strike while the iron is hot and have a chance to uh, uh, build a bridge. Long-term growth. We say this, and some of you have been in all of our sessions thus far. It takes a long time to make a male disciple. In fact, we would submit to you, um, you can expect 10 years with, with some of this progress to be made. Now, hey, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit can touch a heart and change it instantaneously. We can see a guy track along real fast. But on the average, on the average... You will see guys, because they're coming in with the wound, you know, it may take two to three years to get that wound healed. And uh, so long-term low pressure, that's how we advise the uh, churches we consult with, that you can't look at men's discipleship like in other settings. Especially in the co-ed setting. See, a guy can hide in there. He can come and he can gain intellectual knowledge of the Scripture. But there can be a lot of things going on in his at-risk area. And... As we've said before, with the co-ed gatherings, it's, it's healthy to subdivide those so that both genders, the women need that time as well. So if we're meeting in a clubhouse or in a, in a, in a, uh, a home of a, of a host, then we would set aside time. If it's a 90-minute setting, you know, give us at least 15, but ideally 30 minutes to subgroup, uh, subdivide. So the husband and wife are traveling to the gathering. They're involved in the topic together, so they can cross-reference notes. But then these six guys are going down to the... Uh, Basement, or they're going up to the man cave, and the, the six ladies are meeting around the table, and they're cross-referencing, hey, what's going on in your life, what's going on at work, that kind of stuff, and they support each other. It's healthy for both uh, groups like that. We, we were very strategic. I find a lot of churches around the country, they forfeit Father's Day and they surrender the summer. You know, let's just take the summer off, take a break. All right, I get that. However, I would tell you from experience that there's still some strategic things you can do even in the summer months. Uh, Father's Day is a no-compete day. And uh, we should subdivide, uh, speaking of that congregational aspect, you know, where the, the men, we'd have worship together, but then we'd subdivide the teaching. If you have venues, like they have this nice chapel here, let's say if all the men came and gathered in the, uh, in the chapel, or vice versa, if the women gathered in the chapel, and uh, the pastor's wife is leading a study or whatever it may be. And then the pastor just speaks directly to the guys. You know, it's basically a discipleship venue on a Sunday morning gathering. They kind of whet the appetite. And I'm real big on bringing guys in and sharing their God stories, you know, uh, to hear what's been transpiring, to hear uh, what God has been up to in people's lives. That's a great way to communicate, you know, to those fellows and, and again, to go through that process. Well, the last page on page 3 gives you a diagram let's look at, and then we'll open it up to some questions in addition to what we've already looked at here. And you see over time, often uh, is the case where we feel like, you know what, there's some guys that just kind of dropped off. They did not continue on as this whole thing of sustaining momentum looks like. But we undervalue the new guys who did stick. So if two-thirds of them uh, went in other directions, but a third of them stayed, we've still made progress. And then over time, as you see with the second chart, see that one-third, we had another you know fractional percentage and another fractional percentage. So we're realizing, okay, wow, there are some commitments taking place. We are seeing that take, uh, you know, take root. I had a guy one time that came to uh, MVP, and uh, when I asked him the next Sunday, I said, "I said, Paul, man, it's great to have you last Monday night. I hope you found your uh, your session to be very inviting." See, yeah, the guy was the guys were welcoming. You know, it was good for me to see you know firsthand. But he said, uh, "That shoe doesn't fit." Now I almost pulled out a shoehorn and said, "Your wife has been praying for you for ten years." There's your first chance to get involved. I did not choose to do that. But uh, the tribe that I grew up in would have given him more than a shoehorn. That's what that had done. But, uh, you know, there's a guy that he's still disconnected. He's not growing in his faith. He's satisfied with mediocrity. And so, uh, you know, so he didn't have to come to our setting. Again, he, he did go with his wife, but she knew he wasn't going. He was still hiding in the co-ed group. And she thought if he could come to the gender-only gathering. So as you guys move forward, you want to have a nice blend. It can be all co-ed, which is fine. But there are times, and again, it can be breakout subgroups 
of the co-ed setting where you can be strategic. And the women need as much as the men. I've had five guys whose wives had affairs on them. Charlotte's a banking industry, so I've got a lot of, uh, a lot of ladies in, in, in you know, leadership roles, high-end positions, and so therefore they travel the country you know, while their husband's not, so they're exposed to the same elements. And so, therefore, their gender is being attacked. And so, here's five guys who had wives. Uh, well, maybe they haven't been in a subgroup uh, of a small group where we had a chance to talk about that. You know what? i got a guy making a hit on me on these trips, and I don't know what to do with this. I haven't told my husband because I'm not sure what his reaction is going to be. Does she have a safe environment to talk about that? Whereas if it's strictly on the topic only, we can't really get authentic and transparent. There's got to be some real-life stuff brought in there. So, uh, we can measure that. Create, capture, sustain. All right, who has an activity you want the group to help you with to be able to uh, plan as we go forward? Some of, you, some of you other churches. You have one that you want to share with us? Hey, here's something on the horizon, and I'd like to get some feedback from the group. Do you have one? Let's add another one up here as a, uh, as a group activity. Who has something on your calendar now that you're wanting to create value with it, but you have not put a next step together? So you'd like to have some input on this. Or one of your previous churches, either one of you. I, I don't want to dominate. So somebody no, that's fine. Hey, okay. hey, early bird gets the worm. Okay. Um. Okay. Very good. You're tracking in this same vein right here. Do you have those uh, potentially laid out, or you're open to suggestions? Um, I mean, we are. I'm, I'm open completely to to suggestions. All right. So we're gonna go from uh, biannual to monthly to weekly. That would hurt. Yes, sir. Okay, very good. Well, we can hopefully meet people where they're at. Sure. As, as best we can. What do you think would be a potential uh, e- event you could uh, plan? Is there anything out there you could... Uh, um, or is it a blank slate right now? Right now it's a blank slate. Okay. Like, uh, I mean, barbecue sounds like a great idea. Sure, um, yeah. And just at those events we would want to communicate it from the top. So like the pastors yeah. would speak at that event. And sure. Like, the monthly things like leadership. Where, where would you potentially host these? Would it be on-site or off-site? On-site. Okay, on-site. Uh, let's say I'm going to the uh, the 5,000 ministry, and I've got to my second week, and you said i got to fill out some registration and stuff. Is there anything that you can uh, garner about that person's profile, interests and hobbies, and, and things that would, you know, they would relate with? Possibly. I'd have to talk to our missions. Yeah. Something like that might trigger, because you can go to all this effort to plan something, and then it falls flat because it didn't resonate with it. It sounds like the DNA of your church, however, is so interwoven that about anything might work because you're so relationally driven. But I would, uh, you know, uh, I, I would garner some information maybe at that level. If they're going to give me a, uh, some registration, maybe toss out something. Not a full-length survey like we've been describing. There's another time and a place for that. But maybe early on, to give us some indication on uh, what, what are some things that might interest them. All right, let's toss this out to the group. He wants to do something biannually. What are some, uh, let's just kind of run through some bullet points, and we'll see if one of those resonate with him and we'll expand on it. So just give me some bullet points. What are some things you'd toss out there? I'll give you a men's rally as an idea. That's what I've seen work real well. Not a retreat off-site, but on-site, uh, a men's rally, a kickoff. How many potential men would, would uh, how many guys are we talking about? We've got between seven and eight hundred in the church, so three fifty to four hundred guys. Yeah. So let's say two fifty. You know, if you had a good good uh, participation, maybe that'd be the number. Two to something that would attract two hundred two hundred fifty people. Okay. Especially since you want to use your pastor to kind of do that vision casting amongst that group of guys that's really not as tied in with Sunday. You know, it's a, it's a guys-only gathering. And if he's an authentic and transparent guy, he can go to the next level. That's what intrigues me about that, where if you had that kind of a setting. And uh, we used to have like an auto fair. I don't know if you got a bunch of motorcycle riders or what. I'd find something that they would gravitate towards that represents your community. We have an Iron Order motorcycle do you? It's right across the street. Well, you know, maybe there's somehow to connect the dots with that, you know, and, and, and build off that. And you have a bunch of bikes on display, you know, some guys ride in. Or you have a ride on Saturday as an optional follow-up to that. So, obviously, there's tremendous resources here, you know. To me, the gathering is more important than the material. 
But we do have some uh, create value specifically designed for something like this. We could help you further, you know, in that regard. Ron and Clark could talk with you. Our Orlando headquarters office can provide those. And your pastor could teach the material. You know, it's designed where you could kick it off, but then the guys sign up that night to dive into small groups. And to me, that would be a good way to take your guys a little deeper, you see. We're pulling them along uh, down this end of the spectrum. And uh, so something like that, some kind of a catalytic event on site that you could leverage that. And reach out to the community. Don't just be designed for those 350 guys within the walls because you've already got that scenario going on. Make it uh, have an outreach component. And who knows what will be drawn into that scenario. Yeah, good cross-reference. Let's go back to Ohio for our, our, our last illustration. So we got these six groups meeting on Sunday morning with the desire of, uh, hey, uh, we'd like to see you launch your own group. Tell us how that is going for sustaining momentum. Are, are all the guys doing that? Are you having to go back and rally the troops a little bit? What happens when the fellow does not choose to lead another group? Yeah. What, what about a guy we talked about geographically? You know, I've got to wait for six months until there's another one that starts. Uh, what about a guy that wants to meet, uh, but he can't meet in that time frame? Okay, if I've been accustomed to the deep end, high commitment, high accountability, and I've, I've moved in geographically to go about my first role playing scenario, so I'm waiting for six months until a new one starts. What what is the freedom I might have to launch a new one, or does I I'd still wait and go through that process first? Okay, okay, and finally, uh, what material do you use? Is it something that's uh, constant? Does each group have a different approach? Well, you've got some great examples right there with uh, these uh, specific ones. And uh, 850 Club, I like that. I like that designation. That means uh, not 9 o'clock, 850. Not 845, 850. And uh, so this is something for you guys to think about. So, hey, you're well on your way because uh, no doubt that God has a calling uh, upon your lives to reach and disciple men effectively. If we can assist you in any way possible, Ron's in Chicago, Clark is in Dayton. They have uh, nearly a 100 other teammates around the country. There may be one in your neck of the woods. I've already connected with several of the leaders in the previous sessions. We're going to set up some Google Plus Hangouts to visit your leadership team, get the six of them in a conference room. We'll drop in one night. We'd be glad to help you in any way uh, possible. And so, again, we're here to serve pastors, train leaders, and to see God transform the lives of men. If you never buy anything of our Holy Hardware store, you never buy any of our curriculum, we got 20 books, 7 or 8 seminars. If you just take this template, this process has been proven all across denominational distinctives, all across geographical areas. And it's from a collection of 30,000 churches that we've observed. And these are key principles we didn't climb the mountain and say, okay, Father, give us a special visitation so we can come back to that eventual conference in Nashville and tell them, here's the 12 things to do. These are observations where God has been at work. You know, as Blackaby says, find out what God is doing and get in on it. We're saying, we've observed God working in the lives of men. And we're inviting you to consider these concepts that are based upon this template. There's many more, you know, aspects, a lot more meat to the skeleton uh, we could give you other than just this. But it's been fantastic and rewarding. And I specifically like these case studies because it shows a variety. You see, God is calling uh, this church in Tennessee uh, to reach a disciple people uniquely. God is calling and, and seeing some green berets uh, take place there. And I like guys that want to meet at 9 o'clock at night because uh, no man's going to be left behind in all three of those settings as you further advance that cause. Listen, let's close in prayer. Lord, thank You for the privilege to hang out with these guys. Uh, my life has been enriched by crossing their path, especially what, what a great hat trick to finish on, to use a hockey term. Because uh, all three of these examples where these churches are creating value and they're attempting to capture some momentum, we're all longing to see uh, change take place. And we know that change takes uh, place in the heart of a man. And so give us that capacity, whether we're on the deep end or the wide end, we can have a balanced perspective. And to long for each man to have an on-ramp, uh, we can create value for them across the board. And the desire to uh, just uh, further advance your kingdom. Lord, you don't need any of us, but you've chosen to work in and through human instrumentation. So, Lord, a man cannot give away what he hasn't experienced in himself. So give us that humble spirit, that teachable spirit. Uh, we can learn from either ends of the, of the continuum and long to uh, find out what the gap analysis is and to make progress in this whole scenario. I thank you, Father, for this conference, and it's been an honor to be uh, a participant. I pray for this last session. Lord, uh, one of the uh, legends of discipleship, 
Uh, you raised up Robert Coleman many years ago, and he's written books and challenged people. I love just being around the man while I go to observe his demeanor. He was so humble. He was so uh, congratulatory of even uh, uh, younger individuals that he was excited to see are being drawn to this movement. So thank you for leaders like that who, by example, uh, flesh out uh, what you long for us to be. Again, you've called us to serve pastors, train leaders, and disciple men. This conversation can continue based upon the interests these guys have. We commit them to you. May you give them a rock to stand on, a brook to drink from, and a tree to be shaded by. In your sons, let me pray. Amen. You've been listening to the Disciple Makers Podcast. This audio was adapted from the original presentation. Not all live interactions are included. Learn how you can grow as a disciple maker by visiting discipleship.org, where you can also register for the next National Disciple Making Forum.